Good morning, ASI. Welcome to the worship this morning. Let us begin by closing our eyes and lifting our thoughts to Lord, asking for his help here. Precious Heavenly Father, we want to hear from your throne as you call to each of our hearts what we can do to be more like you and to rightly represent you as individuals and as families here on earth. So we invite your presence here now, Lord, as we share from our hearts and share in song. Let those who hear and if convicted by the Holy Spirit will turn to you to achieve the strength to do the things that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We were excited when we heard that the theme for the early morning devotionals this year would be knowing him as a family. Because for the past 15 years, we have been on a journey that has led us to the discovery of God's special, beautiful design and purpose for each family, which is to experience intimacy with him as a family. There is incredible joy and blessing for us and all others when we catch a vision of God's design and seek to fulfill his glorious plan. We find ourselves connected, happy, secure, fulfilled, and empowered and equipped with the most powerful evangelistic tool in our hands. What is that evangelistic tool? There's a passage that is found in Adventist Home, page 32, that clearly defines how we can be the most effective witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It states, The greatest evidence of the power of Christianity that can be presented to the world is a well-ordered, well-disciplined family. This will recommend the truth as nothing else can for it is a living witness of its practical power upon the heart. So we want to share with you about a time in our lives when we came under the conviction that while we were professed Christians engaged in God's work, we were not connected to God and to one another in the way that God designed families to be. And thus we were unable to witness of the effectiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives, in our own hearts, and how by God's grace this has changed and continues changing. I graduated from the family practice residency at Hinsdale Hospital in the suburbs of Chicago in 1981. I completed a teaching fellowship, I joined the faculty, and I began teaching in the residency program. I was practicing obstetrics as a family physician, I was administering the residency practice. We were newlyweds. Maria's a nurse. She was working on the 3 to 11 shift. So you can imagine how our lives crossed on different paths. On the weekends, I was busy with my responsibilities as a church elder and engaged in starting a new church. I loved my wife, but I was not tuned in to her needs. Well, as time went on, we started the family. I became more involved in service to others. Maria learned to live with my busyness. 
I was now involved in media ministry with the focus of reaching the secular world, and then I added a children's series. I was conducting health lectures at churches. I had a part-time medical practice while now being the director of the residency program. When I was at home, I was often on the phone. I was so busy doing God's work that I had little or no time for God. We live in an age and a society where it seems that nearly everyone is pressed for time, hurried and hassled. Technology has provided us with more so-called time-saving devices than ever before in the history of mankind. And yet, we have less time for meaningful communication and relatedness than we have ever had before. God says, be still and know that I am God. It takes time with him, first of all. It takes silence in the soul to be able to search out the deep things of God. We cannot experience real intimacy with our Father unless we take time to have those periods of stillness before him on a regular basis. Likewise, we cannot experience intimacy with our spouses. We cannot experience closeness as a family unless we take time once again for that meaningful association, deep communication and relatedness. This is why cohesive families tend to be a thing of the past. One pastor speaking of the people of God in the context of modern life has said, we have become a body of people that look more like a herd of cattle in a stampede than a flock of God beside green pastures and still waters. And this is the way that I remember our lives being in those early years of our marriage. I remember always longing for more time with my husband and never feeling like I had enough. As the months and years passed, we began having children. And I grew up hearing stories from my mother of her very happy family life in a large family, so I wanted to have a large family. But by the time we had three and then four, I was overwhelmed. And I felt alone in the day-to-day -day coping with the challenges of, of raising and, and mothering um, several young children. I often ended the, uh, the day with tremendous fatigue, with tears and regret, desiring with all my heart to be a happy, a nurturing, godly mother, but often losing my temper with them. You see, I was ignorant because I wasn't taking that time to be still and to learn of the Father. I was ignorant of the principles that could make um, our home, that could bring peace and order into our home. One evening, I was especially fatigued and disappointed having learned that he was not coming home. He had just admitted a woman um, in labor to the hospital, and he would not be home that evening. I lost my temper 
once again with our children as I was trying to get them to bed early and they were not quickly cooperating. I yelled at our oldest, our seven-year-old. I said, when will you ever learn to listen and to be considerate of your mother? Now, while it was not infrequent for me to lose my temper with them, it was different this time in that instead of bringing all activity to a halt, as they usually did when I lost my temper, and just watching me in silent dread, this time she spoke up and it shocked me. She said, I can never please you with big tears in her eyes. I'll never be able to please you. I was silenced by her words, and I put them to bed quietly, and filled with shame and regret, I lay in bed wondering, how can I be so hurtful to children that I wanted so much and that I love so dearly? For the first time, I was struck by the ugliness of the sin of angry words and the devastating effect upon the heart. I cried to God in despair that evening, how could I learn to manage my children in a loving, God-honoring way? How could I teach them to love Jesus and to love, honor, and obey their parents without losing my temper? frequently and speaking words of condemnation to them. In a passage from Ellen White that is found in the SDA Bible Commentary, among other places, it says, the greatest insult that we can inflict upon him, upon Christ, is to pretend to be his disciples while manifesting the spirit of Satan in our words, our dispositions, and our actions. The same principle um, is stated in James 1.26 where it states, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. My religion, friends, was in vain during that period of my life. I was, as Romans uh, 1.18 puts it, holding the truth in unrighteousness. As I cried to God that evening, I desperately wanted victory, but I lacked elements that are necessary for victory, like the habit of consistent, daily, earnest study of the Word of God, specifically searching for the solutions to the problems that challenge me in my daily experience. I lacked the power of the Holy Spirit. I longed for my husband to be spiritual leader and priest of our home, to conduct family worship on a daily basis, to lead us to Jesus and to the answers that we needed so that we could become that happy, godly family that I knew God wanted us to be. But he only conducted worship on a hit-or-miss basis because he was too busy too busy with work, ministry activities, and commitments outside of our home. Is the Lord calling to your heart? Well, conviction came to me on Shante's seventh birthday. As I sat around in the 
boisterous children's voices, and I'm looking at this seven-year-old child, it dawned on me, I did not know her. I did not know what her favorite color was. I did not know what the name was of that thing she drags around that looks like a teddy bear once in a while. I didn't know what its name was. I realized with sadness that I had lived for seven years with this child. And in my heart, while I longed to be a godly father, where was I to find the time? Every moment was consumed in the practice of medicine at the hospital, teaching the art to up-and-coming physicians. At the hospital, I was Mr. Wonderful. There, I was a success. Work consumed me, and I did not resist. How many of you can relate to this? I also managed to make time for outreach and for service to others, but at home, I was failing. What brought, brought me to conviction that day that something needed to change if I was to hear the words one day, well done, thou good and faithful service. When the Lord asked me, where is the beautiful flock that I gave you? Well, during the rest of our time this morning, we want to share with you the simple steps that God led us to take as we sought answers from his word. There are two things that we as parents were missing in our lives that we came to understand were necessary, absolutely necessary for us to become the happy, cohesive, vibrant, fully functional, full of purpose, mission-driven-minded family that God designed every family to become. The first, Maria has already spoken of. And brothers and sisters, if you've not already done this, we just plead with you to experience the joy. There's joy to be found in a personal, intimate, real, living connection with Jesus Christ. Amen. It is that connection that gives us the strength to overcome the areas in our lives where we're having difficulty, that we can experience victory over our flesh and continual growth in grace, which transforms our marriage, our parenting, and every aspect of our lives. The second is a strong heart-to-heart -heart connection amongst all members of our family, first with Maria and myself, and with each of our children, so that we become partakers together of all the blessings that God wants to bestow on families and through families. Well, let's look at the first element that we are missing. You know, the challenge that we're faced with is that oftentimes we look for our own solutions, but the solutions to any issues that we face are to be found in God's Word. In John 6.63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spiritual life can only be kindled, revived, and maintained by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. So coming under this conviction, I made the commitment 14 years ago that I would spend the first hour of every day in God's Word. Since then... I have sought to follow the admonition that I read one day in my devotions in Steps to Christ, page 70, where it says, Consecrate yourself to God. In the morning, make this your very first work. 
You know, we are promised that as we do this, our lives will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. You know, I've sought to make my study of God's Word very practical, dealing with my personal needs, like how to be a godly husband and how to be the father that God would have me to be and how to overcome the areas of weakness that the Holy Spirit opens my eyes to see. I believe that making my study practical has made the most dramatic difference in my life. It's not always been easy to keep this commitment. There are obstacles like spending long evenings engaged in projects or programs that make for a late day and make it very hard to get up in the morning to spend that time in God's Word. Referring back to the text that Edwin quoted, John 6.63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Friends, it was my flesh that was in charge of my life in the illustration that I gave you of, of my parenting in those early years. And indeed, it profited nothing. Both my husband's hectic, um, hectic lifestyle and the resulting lack of spiritual leadership in our home and my own lack of a deep, growing, personal experience with God were leading us away from the blessings that God has in store and that he wants to bestow on every family. The blessing of nurturing a cohesive, happy, vibrant Christian family that is a powerful testimony to the world. But as Edwin and I began to establish that living connection through the Word of God with him on a daily basis, through communion with him over the months and years that followed, it made a dramatic difference in our family life. Friends, we're here to tell you that there is saving power, life-changing power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I began to, to um, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to make that the first priority of my day on a daily basis, I begin, began, to experience that life-changing power in my own life. As a mother, I needed to have self-subdued to gain victory over my temper. As I spent time in his word, not as a hasty or careless reader would, but diligently searching for the solutions to, um, to my challenges, the Lord began to teach me the way that he is willing and eager to teach any one of us who lack wisdom, who lack knowledge. He began to teach me how to consistently speak to our children and to my husband with the law of kindness on my lips. Now, I don't have time to share with you that particular journey. I share that in a different message. But suffice it to say that As we reordered our priorities in our home, in our lives, the Lord began to give us an experience that has not only blessed our family to this day, making our home as a little piece of heaven to us, but it has given us a testimony to share with others of what Christ can do when we learn to surrender, 
when we learn to die to self on a daily basis. Um, I wonder how many of you were here yesterday as the, as the Vimeisters were sharing. Very powerful. The principles that they were sharing were the things that the Lord began to teach us as we started taking that time with Him. When self is on the throne, there can be no happiness, no real happiness in a marriage, in a parenting relationship. Self must die. Christ must live in us that we can have all, that we can become the inheritors of all the blessings that he wants to bestow on us. The Bible says, taste and see. Amen. Taste and see that it is good. The second element that I mentioned earlier that we were missing in the ability to keep the hearts up was the ability for us to be able to win and keep the hearts of our children. In the book, Child Guidance, page 148, it says, listen, listen carefully. You must, you must win their affection if you would impress religious truth upon their hearts. We've heard the heart cry of many parents that have lost the hearts of their children. And they see their children making decisions that just bring their hearts to grief. If you want to impress religious truths on your children's hearts, you must have their heart first. This requires time. It requires your presence. I tell my brothers that our wives and our children need more than a paycheck. They need us. To be present, not distracted, present. We need to give ourselves to our wives and our children as the priest of the home, as the one appointed to lead them to the kingdom of heaven. The Bible requires us to lead. It's not an option. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Have you ever thought of yourself, brothers, as being the Savior for your family's salvation? I know Christ is the one that gives us the strength to do this, but you are to act your part. So as I sought to learn how to do this in my devotional time, one day I read in two favorite volumes that I love to read called Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 1, page 162. All our powers are to be used for Christ. This is the debt we each owe to God. In forming a relationship with Christ, the renewed man is but coming back to his appointed relationship with God. He is a representative of Christ, and he is ever to watch and watch, pray and watch unto prayer. His duties lie around him, nigh and afar off. His first duty, his first duty is to his children and his earnest relatives. Nothing can excuse him from neglecting the inner circle for the larger circle outside. Oh, was this a call to my heart. In the day of final reckoning, fathers and mothers will be required to answer in regard to their children. Parents will be asked what they did and said to secure the salvation of the souls they took upon themselves the responsibility of bringing into the world. 
did they neglect their lambs, leaving them to the care of strangers, fathers, mothers? Are you allowing your children to grow up in impurity and sin? A great, this was the one that really hit me, a great good done for others will not cancel the debt you owe to God to care for your children. The spiritual welfare of your family comes first. Take them with you to the cross of Calvary, laboring for them as those that must give an account. Oh, this called to my heart that I needed to reprioritize my life and do it in the way that God would have me to do it. A great, a great deal good done for others will not cancel the debt you owe to God to care for your children. The Old Testament ends with um, a prophecy of a voice of one that would cry in the wilderness, calling people to repentance and reformation, preparing a people for the first coming of the Lord. It is found in Malachi 4, verses 4 through 6. And it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We are told that this message is also applicable at the end of time in order to prepare a people to be ready for the second coming of the Lord. And we believe that it is very appropriate that this end, um, end time message would include turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and of the children to their fathers because, friends, Satan has so arranged modern life that parents, most parents, don't have time for their children, the, the amount of time that they should devote they have no time for communicating spiritual values as we are admonished to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Um, we are admonished to do this, to, to share with them everything that God has said as we sit in our houses, as we walk by the way, when we lie down, and when we rise up. Parents don't have time to simply talk or listen to their children, to play with the children, to befriend them, to win their hearts. No time to put into place the elements that make for a happy home. It is no wonder that in their teens, the hearts of their children are more bound to the hearts of their peers than to the hearts of, the, of their parents. That is not the way that God meant for it to be. Do you have time? For this in your life? Are you finding time to follow this Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 lifestyle? Is that the way you live your life? Or are you finding that you have no time for this because the important always gets sacrificed on the altar of the urgent? Friends, if that is the way that it is in your life, then it is time. We would invite you to right now, without, any uh, without delaying any longer, reorder the priorities in your life 
after heaven's order. You see, we need to give ourselves first to God, then to our spouses and to our children, not only to our children, not only for this moment-by-moment instruction in godliness, guidance, and correction, but also in pleasant, refreshing association, in recreation. Recreation that binds the hearts of parents and children in a bond that cannot be easily broken. Indeed, we are told that we must prepare the soil of our children's hearts with love and affection, thus preparing it to receive the seed of truth. That's found in Adventist Home, page 18. Well, we are here to tell you that in taking time over the past 15 years, first of all, to give ourselves to each other and to our children, taking time to take interest in their interests, we have found that their hearts have not only been bound to ours in a deeper love than we ever dreamed possible, but it has made them more willing to hear what we have sought to teach them about God over the years, more willing to, to adopt for themselves, to embrace the values that we have purpose to pass on to them. Now at this point, some of you may be sitting here saying, I blew it. Now what do I do? My children are grown. We're estranged. What can I do? Brothers and sisters, as long as there is life, there is hope. Jesus is the answer. Go to your Savior and say, Lord, I blew it. What would you have me to do? You can still reach the hardened heart of a child. God will show you the way. I believe it. We've seen it happen. Where you say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Where do I start? First place you start is on your knees. I'm willing to do whatever you would have me to do. Second thing you do, you find where you can connect with them. The Lord will show you a way, a common ground, and then you can build the bridges. It is even an adult child with grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you can still connect with them for the kingdom of heaven. Brothers and sisters, we've seen it happen over and over again. Do not give up. Where there is life, there is hope. Practically speaking, taking time to give ourselves to our children require some hard decisions. And I want to share with you what some of those were for us and the fruit of those decisions. I knew from God's Word that there is a season for everything under the sun and that this was the season for me to stop doing so many good things, good things outside of the home that were keeping me from having a proper focus on my home mission field. That's what I called it. So I made some tough choices. You have to understand that for me, saying no was very hard. And disappointing others was like having razors in my flesh. But I resigned from media work for a time. I resigned from my membership on boards and other service opportunities that required that I be out of the home, taking time away from my family. And I focused rather on service and outreach that we could do as a family. 
So we moved to the country which we believe to be the setting most conducive to the accomplishment of our goals. Our primary purpose became the spiritual nurture of our family and binding our hearts to Jesus Christ and to one another. So we took advantage of opportunities for service and outreach as a family, and we used the two small churches in our county as training ground for our children to develop their talents for service and leadership. We spent many seasons in communion with God and with one another in nature. We took the time to study God's Word, and we made the memorization of Scripture a priority in our lives, seeking to make it the rule of our lives. We also took time to do things with our children that were enjoyable for them. Ellen White says in Adventist Home, page 110, make the evening a pleasant social season, a family reunion after the day's duties. So we took... um, an hour in the evening, right before family worship, for family time. So we read books together or, or played games or um, did engaged in other activities that were enjoyable for them, that were exciting to them, such as um, riding bikes in, in the moonlight uh, on long winter evenings or playing hide-and-seek in the snow. Over the months and the years that followed, we began to see the fruit of that time investment. We began to see it in our marriage, first of all. We we saw it in our relationship with our father because that was our first priority, and we began to see that in in the heart-binding that was taking place, not just between us and the children, but among the siblings themselves. And, friends, the fruit was sweet. When we thus cooperate with God taking the time to follow his instructions, taking the time to be still before him, to learn of him, to learn how to die to self, and taking the time to bond with one another, our families can become all that God designed them to be. And we are told that his peace and grace and love will pervade the family circle like a precious perfume. Adventist home, page 17. That home then becomes, quote, an Eden of bliss. The family, a beautiful symbol of the family of heaven. A light in the community. Then we find ourselves equipped with the most powerful evangelistic tool in our hands because we have something that the world is starving for. Because we have something that people think is no longer possible. Today, our four young people love the Lord. They're fully committed to Him, fully committed to our family. They are each other's best friends. They have said to us that they would rather spend time with our family than with anyone else on earth. The heart-to-heart connection that is there is sweet. They are fully engaged in service to their Savior um, in our ministry as a family with Restoration International, sharing the practical gospel with individuals and families. They have been very busy um, pursuing their studies, three of them already uh, in, engaged in their college studies, and yet they're devoted to God first 
and to his service. And they are willing to sacrifice for Christ's sake because that is their passion. We invested in them, and now they are willing and eager to invest their life in the service of their master. Honey, I want to give people a sense of hope. They, they'll be listening and saying, my teenagers, forget it. It'll never happen. When we first made these hard choices, did our children say, yes, this is great? What was their response when, they, when we first started? Actually, they did not. We, one of the first things that we instituted was this having family time. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that up until this time, we had some close friends in our lives that, with whom our children were bonded more than they were with their own siblings. And so as we started having family time and we said, okay, from now on we're going to take this hour and we're just going to do special things together. And they looked at us and said, what about when are we going to go to our friend's house? You see, they were not, it didn't show up as fun, but we persevered. Ah, ah, persevere. Persevere, brothers and sisters. Don't give up. Persevere. Just say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you would have me to do, but don't give up. Don't give up. We persevered, and the day came after yes. months. Months. When um, one evening we said to them, you know, tonight we're going to do something different. Um, we're going to go over to our friend's house, the particular friends whose, whose company they had coveted more than anything else, and our oldest said to us, well, what's going to happen to our family time? And I said, well, that is our family time. That's what we're doing tonight for our family time. Well, you see, we were engaged in reading a particularly gripping story, an interesting... Always end on a cliffhanger. ...character-building story. And they wanted to be together to learn what was happening next. So she said, well, can we, can we go to their house another day? That's and when we, we knew. knew that God was blessing. Just brings tears to your eyes. In another passage from Adventist Home, you'd be going, why are they picking all of these things from Adventist Home, Child Guidance? Brothers and sisters, we have a wealth of information at our hands. Use them. They have the answers to the questions that you need. But you can't get it unless you take time to read it. In another passage in Adventist Home, we read where we, how we can accomplish Setting, getting the home setting and the work that the Lord would have us to do. And it says, Our sphere of influence may seem narrow, our ability small, our opportunities few, our acquirements limited. Yet, wonderful possibilities are ours through a faithful use of the opportunities of our own homes. If we will open our hearts and homes to the divine principles of life, we shall become channels for currents of life-giving power. From our homes will flow streams of healing, bringing life and beauty and fruitfulness where now are barrenness and death. This is found in page 32. We have been experiencing the fulfillment of that promise in a very tangible way in our home for the past year and a half. As we opened our home in a ministry of hospitality in our community, we've invited our neighbors and people that I encounter in my medical practice to an evening of food, fellowship, music, 
and Bible study, which we now do on a regular basis as time permits. We have been amazed by the results. They confirm that the world is hungering and thirsting to see the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very practical way, doing its amazing work to change lives of a family at a time when families are falling apart. We pray that our testimony will be an encouragement to you to reestablish your priorities if they are not ordered aright, to seek to place the proper emphasis on the first work, that the kingdom of God and his righteousness will be made manifest in the lives of your family and mine, and the fruit of the Spirit may abound in all our lives. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.